This podcast contains adult themes and is not intended for children. Listener discretion is advised. If you enjoy this content, please consider leaving us a five-star review wherever you listen, and follow us on Instagram at Tales Driftwood. Tales of Driftwood, where story is everything. As always, I'm your host, Eric, and today I'll be bringing you chapter 22 of Hyde. When we were last with each other, Liam and the young boy Sammy escaped from Benedict's guards by using old mole tunnels that Sammy had found years before. They traveled with the still unconscious Clyde throughout the tunnels of Hyde until they heard a roar. Sammy hurriedly explained that it was the beast, and they had to move quickly, which they did. Sammy was able to guide them safely out of the tunnels, but not before they caught sight of the beast, which seemed to mark them before retreating back into the tunnels. Once they were out, they headed to Archer's warehouse, where they were joined by the rest of the resistance, and Julian asked Liam the fateful question, what happened to Wade? So with all that being said, I give you Hyde Chapter 22, Quicksand. They all sat or stood in silence as Liam recounted his tale in Archer's office. He alternated between talking rapidly and gritting his teeth in agony as Michaela worked on his wounded leg. She was able to pull a bullet out and patch it up during the time it took him to tell all of the people present the whole story. Sammy was about to slink away before they even got into the warehouse, but Claire had gently taken his hand and smiled kindly at him, inviting him inside with the rest of the resistance. Now he sat next to her on a small couch in Archer's office, hungrily eating a slice of bread with butter on it. Julian had begun pacing back and forth in the office ever since Liam had explained that Wade was still back at Benedict's, a troubled but thoughtful expression on his face. Sammy looked at him in wonder as he walked back and forth. The McCoys had attained somewhat legendary status amongst the townspeople of Hyde, as had Archer, who he also constantly stole glances at. The only other people present in hearing Liam's story were the man that opened the door for them, Clint Cassidy, Liam's best friend Dorian, and the man that made Sammy's blood run cold. 
The man in the mask stood motionless in a corner of the room, his dead eyes staring straight forward the entire time. His arms are crossed, and after several stolen glances at him, Sammy realized that there was not one bit of skin showing anywhere on the man. Everything from his head to his arms and hands were covered with either clothing or some kind of armor. He supposed the strange man could be watching him even as he sat here listening to Liam, but he wouldn't know because you could never see the man's eyes. He shivered at the thought and Claire wrapped a comforting arm around him as Liam finished his story. Everyone's eyes moved to either Julian or Archer once Liam finished and laid his head down on the pillow that Michaela had brought for him. Archer himself was looking hard at Julian, who was in his own world, pacing back and forth, staring at the floor. Finally, Archer broke the silence. Well, I guess... Julian cut him off as soon as he started. Liam, are they dead? Liam raised his head and looked at him. What? Julian looked at him coldly. Are they dead? Did you see them die? Liam shook his head back and forth. I can't say, friend. Your mate Wade was hit a few times before he forced us to go on without him. The way he was fighting before he got hurt. I don't see him just surrendering without a fight. Adrian? Well, he was a strange one. He wasn't hurt at all. The only one of us who got out of there without a scratch. Except for the kid, of course. He shot a wink over at Sammy, who smiled weakly in return. Claire shakily moved her arm from around Sammy and hugged herself tightly. I don't get it. If he wasn't hurt, and you were all just about to escape, why would he turn around and stay there? Liam licked his lips as Michaela dabbed at the sweat which had gathered on his face as she had worked on his leg. I don't know either, lass. I damn well begged him to come with us, but he wasn't budging or leaving. He kept saying he had a plan. The boy was the last one in the room with him. Did he say anything to you, lad? All eyes went to Sammy's face. He looked around shyly, turning red. N no I, I mean, not really. I asked him if he was sure he wasn't coming with us, and he said yeah. Then I asked him what his plan was, and he just said everyone would know soon enough and push me down that pipe. Claire sighed deeply and gave Liam a grateful smile. Thank you for trying to convince him to go. I want you to know that I don't blame you for leaving him behind. Adrian has always been very stubborn when it comes to our father. He wants to solve every problem himself. I don't know what he's up to, but I'm sure he thought it was the best plan at the time. Liam gave her a grateful nod. Ah, thank you, lass. I really did try my hardest to have him come back with us, but he just wouldn't have it. Archer looked back at Julian. So, Julian, what do you think we should do? Julian didn't answer him. He didn't even look at him. He had gone back to pacing back and forth in silence, staring at the ground. Everyone else in the room looked uncomfortably at each other as the silence grew awkward. Finally, Rogan crossed his arms and began to walk towards the door of the office. Archer wheeled himself forward, a questioning look on his face. Where are you going? Rogue turned slowly and looked at Archer. I'm leaving. I had hoped that we could help each other. But clearly you people aren't ready for this. You've all been sitting here for years now waiting for something to happen instead of doing something yourselves. Now this boy comes along with a couple of his friends and you what? Thought they were going to magically free this little town of yours? He pointed sharply at Liam. Now you see that they bleed too. They aren't invincible, and now you've lost two of your main people. Julian stopped pacing and looked at Rogue. We haven't lost them. Not yet. 
Until I see them dead, I'm not going to believe that they are. We have to go after them. Rogue moved his pointing finger towards Julian and waved it back and forth. You're thinking with your emotions. You're upset because the two real friends you've had in your life are both back there at Benedict's now. You're going to come up with a half-cocked plan and get yourself and anyone else you bring with you killed. Julian looked at him stormily before stalking over to the man, looking up at the black eyes of the mask. So you're going to yell at them for not doing anything, and then you're going to mock me because I want to do something. What's your plan? Go back to the woods? Sit there for another decade, waiting for that bomb in your brain to just go off one day? We need Wade and Adrian. We need every person we can get. Claire stood up angrily at this. We need every person we can get? You aren't even thinking about them as your friends anymore. You're thinking of them as chess pieces. You're mad because my father took a couple of pieces from you, not because they were Wade and my brother. He looked at her in amazement and then shook his head. You're an idiot if you really think that, Claire. Liam sat bolt upright in his cot, nearly knocking over Michaela when he did. Oi! You watch your mouth when you're talking to the lady, Julian. Julian threw up his arms in exasperation and looked around the room wildly. Everyone was looking at him with doubtful looks, and he could feel his stomach twisting up with anxiety. Thoughts swirled through his head. See? You can never be mayor. You can never replace your father for these people. He sighed and ran a hand over his forehead before looking up. I need some air. I'm going outside for a minute. When I come back, I'll have a plan of what we should do. He looked at Rogue with a serious expression. I'm sorry if I insulted you. Please stay and hear me out when I come back. I think it would be in your best interest. Rogue stared at him in silence before nodding in agreement and going back to his previous spot in the corner of the room. Julian sighed and exited the room, leaving behind all the people who believed in him. The cool air of the approaching night made Julian shiver as he stepped outside the door of the warehouse. His clothes were still damp from his return via the fountain, but at least he didn't feel as weighted down. He had removed his body armor and his blade when they had returned triumphant from the forest with Rogan Toe. He smiled and thoughtfully caressed his mother's pendant with his hand. He might take off his physical armor anytime he felt like it, but his connection to his mother would always be there, guiding him in times of confusion like this. He closed his eyes as he held the pendant that portrayed the image of an angel on a shield. Wade. Why did he have to make the sacrifice to save everyone like he did? He needed Wade badly. Every fight he had ever been in, Wade had been right by his side. The thought of facing this, his biggest and most important fight of all without Wade, made his stomach seize up. The sounds of many footsteps broke him out of his thoughts. He looked around and couldn't see where the footsteps were coming from. He cautiously looked around the corner of the building and saw, with alarm, that dozens of townspeople were walking briskly towards the center of town, worried expressions on their faces. The sight unsettled him, as a memory of his father telling him how all of the animals in the woods would flee as one when they sensed danger came back to him. He could never picture that fully in his head, deer running scared next to wolves who looked just as scared. Now that he was seeing his own townspeople walking briskly side by side, young and old, weak and strong, and all with expressions of terror on their faces, he could now picture it quite clearly. 
He walked hurriedly down the alley that led to the warehouse until he was at the edge of the town marketplace. A middle-aged woman walked by him, an almost pained expression on her face. Excuse me, where is everyone going? She turned and looked at him in shock. What? Didn't you hear? Mayor Benedict has an announcement to make and has called the town to assembly. Julian looked at her in amazement. The entire town? She gave him a curious look back. Yes? I mean, I do suppose it's a little early in the week for the town assembly, but apparently something big is happening. She looked at him up and down. Don't think I've seen you before. Who are you? Panic stabbed through Julian as his mind raced for an answer. Me? Oh, uh, I'm new. Mayor Benedict brought me in from outside the town to help with maintenance of the cameras. She gave him a disdainful look. Oh, well then you definitely have no excuse not to be there. You had better hurry though, he's starting any minute now. She whirled around and picked up her pace again, nearly running for the middle of the town. Julian stood there momentarily frozen in thought. He took a look back at the warehouse, considering whether he should go in and tell the others about the assembly. He whipped his head back. No. He would go to the assembly himself. He had felt like a fool in front of everyone just minutes ago. A foolish little boy with a dream of being a hero. Archer and Rogue had both made him feel small and insignificant, and Claire had simply angered him. He took several steps towards the center of the town before halting. Am I just thinking with my emotions again? He wondered to himself and then shook it off. No. He was thinking clearly. He would simply go to the assembly alone, listen to what Benedict had to say, and then report back to the group. Benedict's announcement might even help him decide his own course of action. Grimly, he walked with the waves of people towards the center of town. He was so preoccupied with his thoughts that he didn't even notice a figure following him out of the alley. As he walked with them, Julian stole glances at the people around him. They all looked scared out of their minds, whispering barely audible things under their breath at each other, as though their words might get them in trouble. Julian's eyes looked ahead in the crowd. This is what he wants, Julian thought to himself. Benedict wants everyone to be this afraid. Fear is like a leash sometimes. When you put it around someone's neck, you can control whatever way you want them to go. Right now, Benedict had no problem making the people of Hyde think whatever he wanted them to. Before long, he had reached the center of Hyde with the rest of the group he had come with. He peered between people in front of him to see what everyone was standing in front of. All he could see was a stage set up in the middle of town, in front of a building he didn't recognize. Looks new, he thought to himself. Benedict's been busy. No sooner had he thought this than an announcement boomed over the loudspeakers positioned all around the town square. He didn't make out what was said but everyone around him began to clap in unison, like zombies. All still wore almost pained expressions on their faces, but they clapped regardless. He followed suit, not wanting to stand out in the crowd at all. A jolt of anger ran through him as he saw Jeffrey Benedict make his way up onto the stage. It was the first time that he had laid eyes on the man in 15 years, but now that he knew what Benedict had done, it made the pain of his parents' death feel fresh in his heart. Benedict was so fat now that he had to be helped to the microphone sitting in the middle of the stage by two men. Julian didn't recognize the tall blonde haired man on Benedict's left, but he would recognize the man helping on his right side anywhere. Sykes, the man who led the attack on his home. The man who had shot the missile that had buried Archer. 
the man that always had the same cruel smile on his face. Julian clenched his fist at the sight of him. Benedict looked exhausted as he smiled warmly for the crowd. The blonde-haired man signaled to someone offstage, and he was quickly handed a large chair which he carried over to Benedict. The mayor thankfully clapped him on the back and sat down as the man adjusted the microphone so it now sat right in front of Benedict's poisonous mouth. Welcome everyone. I know it's a bit early for our weekly assembly, but I have some grave, serious news. People looked at one another and murmured at this. Julian thought he saw a hint of a smile on his nemesis's face before Benedict sighed sadly and looked down at the stage. I love this town. It is the thing that keeps my heart beating since my wife, God rest her soul, passed on and my own children betrayed me. This is why I fight so hard to keep it safe. He looked up from the ground, tears fresh in his eyes. This town is too good for the rest of the world. That's why we are constantly under threat, from every direction. This is why we had to build a wall, because if we let them in, they will destroy us from the inside out. Murmurs rose up from the crowd, and Julian was horrified to see that some people were actually nodding their heads in agreement. Benedict smiled sweetly at the masses. People of Hyde, you have all been so good about all of the things I've done for your safety. The wall, the curfew, the guards. Now, however, the bandits which plague us and hound us from the woods have launched a new attack, one that hits us from a psychological standpoint. He waited as fresh murmurs rose from the crowd, looking around with a passionate expression on his face. It is no longer good enough for our enemies to hold us captive in our town. Now they mean to infiltrate us in the most disgusting way possible. He grasped the arms of the chair he sat in and dramatically made his way up to his feet. There were some gasps from the audience and several people even clapped. Even under the circumstances, it took all of Julian's willpower to keep from laughing. He had never seen someone applauded for standing up before. Beads of sweat ran down Benedict's face from the exertion of standing, which added to the intense look he was giving the crowd. His next words made Julian's heart stop in his chest. Everyone here knows the story of Harold and Harmony McCoy. Everyone knows what happened that fateful day so many years ago when the bandits invaded our town and killed our beloved mayor and burned his house to the ground. We all believe that everyone in that house had died there that day until we discovered that Archer Johnson had survived, but had suffered some kind of brain damage in the attack. Julian smirked silently as he listened. So that's how Benedict was spinning Archer's resistance. Benedict grabbed the microphone from its stand and began to waddle slowly from one side of the stage to the other. Worst of all, we thought that Julian McCoy, the son and rightful next mayor in line, had also been murdered in the attack. He paused for dramatic effect before continuing. We now know that young Julian suffered a fate far worse than death. He was manipulated, brainwashed if you will. The bandits took him and raised him as one of their own. They knew that we would stand up and protect ourselves and haven't we? Benedict paused his arms dramatically outstretched to the crowd. He looked around expectantly, his eyebrows beginning to dart downward in anger before the crowd started murmuring their approval. He lowered his arms and smiled in satisfaction even with his face dripping with sweat from all of the exertion. Yes, we have. We built a wall to protect us and so it has. He sneered into the crowd. Until now. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my duty as your mayor to inform you that Julian McCoy walks among us now, even as I speak. The crowd murmured again, 
people looking this way and that. Julian's blood felt cold within his own body. He took a longing gaze back the way he came, but he knew that if he tried to leave now, he would be seen as suspicious and instantly taken down. He looked back at Benedict, who was smiling in contentment at the people's reaction. Yes, yes, you are all right to be concerned. I know that a fair amount of you are wondering if my words are true. I assure you, they are. As hard as it is to believe that a McCoy could do the people of Hyde any harm, that is exactly what he means to do. He waddled several feet forward towards the crowd, a look of despair on his face. The bandits know that they could never breach the walls of our town. They've given up hope on that front, and that is all because of you. Now they have resorted to using one of our own against us. Julian McCoy means to gather up people in this town and lead a rebellion against me. Me! The man who told you all about the bandits in the first place. The man who has tirelessly protected you since the death of Julian's father at the hands of the very same bandits he swears loyalty to now. Loud grumbling started to rise up from the crowd as Julian looked on in disbelief. He had never heard Benedict speak like this before. He always had a knack for getting under people's skin, but it seemed as though he had perfected his craft to a much grander scale. Benedict raised both of his arms again. This time they were shaking, either from effort or from emotion. There is only one thing to do. Julian McCoy, I know that you are out there, somewhere. If you can hear me, I have a bargain for you. Julian narrowed his eyes towards Benedict, trying to figure out what he meant to do. The mayor put his arms weakly down to his sides. Julian, I want to help you. You need help. If you come up here now and turn yourself in, you will not be held as a prisoner. You will be held as a friend and given the best medical treatment there is to try to figure out what those bastards in the forest did to you. Julian clenched his fist again in rage. He looked around at the people and saw with a falling feeling that people actually believed Benedict. They were looking around, waiting for the phantom Julian McCoy, kidnapped and brainwashed by the bandits to come crawling on his hands and knees to Jeffrey Benedict, begging for help. Julian spat in the dirt in disgust. Benedict looked around sadly as no one came forward and sighed deeply. <sighs> Very well. I had hoped it wouldn't have to come to this, but it seems as though the only thing you understand now is savagery. He clapped his hands together twice and the blonde-haired man standing to the left of him disappeared into the building behind them. Julian, we have captured three of your agents. One of them was captured in the initial attack on our town. The second, he trailed off hanging his head as he did, is my own son. Gasps and murmurs again echoed throughout the town, and Benedict raised his hand to still them. Please, I will deal with my own son myself. The last, however, is an offer I will make to you. Julian had to stifle a primal scream which rose in his throat as the blonde man returned, dragging a body behind him. Wade. The man dropped Wade who was tied up even though he looked like he couldn't struggle if he had six arms instead of two at Benedict's feet. The mayor gestured down at Julian's best friend. This young man broke into my own home and attacked me. If it wasn't for my friend and bodyguard, Marcus Sykes. He pointed to Sykes who grinned sadistically. I might be dead now. Because the safety of this town means so much to me, I am willing to use this same man who threatened my own life as a bargaining chip. He again pointed across the gathered people. Julian, if you come forward now, I will release this man. I am a fair man, after all, 
and I know that you expect something for your sacrifice. What do you say? Save one of your own and you will not be harmed. Julian was staring rapidly at Wade's listless face. Wade was beaten badly, but still alive. He had made this trip for Julian. He had sacrificed himself for the safety of Liam, Adrian, Clyde, and a boy he didn't even know. He deserved more than this. Benedict raised the microphone to speak again. There is a third option, but it is a sad one and I would rather not explore it. If you do not come forward now, I will execute all three of the prisoners. Publicly, so you can see I'm not bluffing. After that, you will be hunted down. You will be found. You will be brought to me. He narrowed his eyes at the crowd. And I will make you realize what a terrible mistake you have made. Something inside Julian's head snapped. The idea that because he didn't step forward at this moment three men would die had triggered something deep inside of him. I can't sit by and let this happen, he thought to himself as he took his first step towards the stage. Wade was horrible enough, but having Max and Adrian's death on my conscience? No. He began a methodical march towards the stage, people moving out of his way as he approached. He will free Wade at least. He promised that in front of all these people. Eyes were starting to watch him as he made his way up to the front. Once Wade gets back to Archer safely, Archer will know what to do. Maybe he can even save me before Benedict does whatever he plans to do with me. He came to the steps leading up to the stage and walked up them one by one. Complete silence had overtaken the town square, with everyone in attendance staring at Julian in shock. He looked up and saw a victorious smile on Benedict's face. Julian's eyes never wavered as he stared down the man responsible for his father's death in the eyes. Here I am, Benedict. Take me and let Wade go. Benedict considered him coolly and nodded. So indeed. Here you are. Seems as though you have some nobility left in you after all. He motioned with his right hand towards Julian. Sykes slid towards him like a snake and stopped right in front of him, grinning the same horrible grin Julian remembered from his childhood. Hello again, little brother. Sykes' arm shot out and connected hard with Julian's chin. He lost consciousness before he hit the ground. Thank you so much for joining me for Chapter 22. Next week, we see the consequences of Julian's decision. What does Benedict have planned for him? Will the resistance fall apart without him there to mediate them? You'll have to tune in next week to find out. So until we meet again, make your story a good story. And maybe, someday, I'll be telling your story. Be safe out there, everyone. Goodbye. Goodbye.